This is the Create the Smarts podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following into a profitable, future-proof education business that you control without being at the mercy of sponsors or algorithm changes. Each week we interview the world's leading creators to find out what strategies they use to diversify, stabilize and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan and you are listening to episode 104 of the Creator Smart Podcast. Guys, welcome back to the show and you know, one of the most important tasks that I have here at the Creator Smart headquarters is to, well, of course, do these interviews but also to reach out to people who would potentially be up for uh, to do an interview in the future. Um, now, one of the names that I had on my list for a long time was Nathaniel Drew. Um, I've been following his YouTube channel for a while. Um, he has a big following, about 1.4 million subscribers at the day of recording. And the main theme of his channel is, well, on his website, he has um, he calls it In Search of Mental Clarity, right? So he basically does a series of life experiments. Um, and um, I tried to reach out to him quite a few times, but he does this kind of interviews, uh, especially podcast interviews, very, very rarely. But I followed up and eventually I managed to convince him. So today he's going to be here with us. Um, Nathaniel sells various courses. He has courses on how to document your life, how to become an online content creator. He also has a language course. He has courses on Skillshare. So in today's interview, we're going to talk about why Nathaniel identifies himself as a creator rather than an influencer. Um, we're going to talk about how to create such high quality YouTube videos, how we made this breakthrough on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to talk about various platforms, some of the pros and cons of hosting courses on Skillshare and how creators can stay mentally healthy. So without further ado, let's get started. Here is my interview with Nathaniel. Hey, Nathan, welcome to the Creator Sparts podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do. Yeah, no problem. Well, hello. Thanks for having me here. Um, I describe myself currently as a content creator, which is a really vague term. I say that every single time. I don't love the term influencer, even though in many regards, I suppose we're all influencers, right? So mm -hmm. it is an accurate term yeah. uh, for this day and age of content creation and posting things and, uh, you know, affiliate links and sponsorships and whatnot, right? Um, but I like the term content creator for now. Uh, I don't really identify as a filmmaker, more so a photographer. Uh, but these are semantics, really. Yeah. Um, but if you look at a lot of my older footage, it's kind of like, I like to think of it as stills in motion, you know? Um, I just like to capture a moment, a composition. And so, um, but the irony is that I've made almost all of my money in video creation, not so much in with photography, although that's going to change. Yeah. But in the future, um, I will be an author as well. I mean, I'm already calling myself an author, even though I haven't published anything officially yet, but it's, it's on the way and it's going to happen. Well, sounds really exciting. Just curious, what do you think is the difference between a creator and an influencer? Is it the same thing or is it just that one sounds better than the other? Well, what in your uh, opinion is an influencer? I mean, again, these are semantics, and I think ultimately I do think that one sounds better than the other. But 
what I like about the term creator is that it's focused on the focus, the emphasis is on creation. Right? I, I I'm doing this because I like making stuff. Yeah. And for me, it's a sort of medicine. It's a sort of way of like finding oxygen. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of how I see this work. Like it's a way to cope with and navigate this crazy world that we live in. Yeah. Influencer feels like the influ the the emphasis is on influence, right? Like I'm gonna try and shape your behavior. And in a sense I get it. Like that that's gonna be a natural consequence mm. uh, when you're posting things and lots of people see it. Or even a few people see yeah. what you're posting, right? But I think uh, I I think it's tempting to want to have an influence on other people, but I'm also I shy away from it a lot too because I found that the more you focus on trying to change somebody else's behavior, the unhappier it makes everybody involved. Yeah, uh, it's much better to just focus on yourself and um, you know developing a better understanding of who you are as a human being, and I think that can lead to a greater level of empathy and kindness yeah. that can then actually have more of an impact on the world. So yeah. that's, that's, I mean, that's kind of my long winded explanation for why I prefer creator over influencer. Yeah. And that's exactly, I mean, all the things like showing your life, sharing your, your thoughts, your philosophy. I mean, that's also the, the main theme of your channel, right? You do a lot of life experiments, taking yeah. cold showers for, I don't know how long, what, 30 days, um, certain amount of time without social media. Well, how would you describe your, your main theme uh, of your channel? Well, I use the tagline, you know, in search of mental clarity quite a bit. Yeah. Um, which is, again, it's, it's a phrase that kind of doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, like mental clarity is such a vague term and it, it most likely means entirely different things to everybody. But that's, that's the point. Like, I think what I'm hoping to accomplish here is share a personal journey of of mine uh, that you can kind of maybe see yourself in or kind of have takeaways from, you know, as mm -hmm. you kind of follow along. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something very appealing with the idea of mental clarity because it's about awareness. It's about presence. It's about kind of showing up to life, if you will. And it can feel so elusive sometimes with how fast the world's moving and the amount of distractions that exist and uh, all of the stimulation and all of the changes and all of it, you know? So, um, yeah, that's what I'd like to focus on. These experiments that I do sometimes are, you know, short-lived. Sometimes they're, they last a lot longer. I tell a lot of people, you know, I ended up doing cold showers for a full year for a full um, year yeah so well it was it, you know it went from just a month to a year but i actually ended up stopping not because i couldn't continue but because the meaning of that experiment was lost you know it became about something else yeah um i felt this is something i'm actually writing about and i don't think it's a little bit difficult to articulate but i think there's a deeper truth to it um the cold showers, for example, and this actually applies to other experiments of mine, it ended up becoming like a necessary part of my day in, in the sense that if I didn't do it, I felt bad. Like 
yeah wow i did push myself today i didn't accomplish this item on my to-do list and so there was this kind of sense of guilt i guess if i didn't do it and yeah. and and that was like what well, that's not the point of this at all like this i totally changed the meaning of this entirely and so the sort of search for mental clarity is actually quite intangible it's quite uh difficult to pinpoint because it's not about any one one habit or activity or whatever it's kind of a way of living life that i'm exploring and trying to share with the world yeah. so that's the best answer i can kind of give you to that question yeah well and your youtube videos they're of extremely high quality when i watch those videos i'm like man did he do everything by himself it's like you're watching a netflix documentary right <laughs> um so maybe take us back to the beginning when you started a youtube channel i mean do you have a background in uh, in filmmaking or, or or video making take us back to the beginning to when you started your channel totally so i mean the answer is that nowadays i don't do everything by myself but we can kind of build up to that yeah um i actually started posting videos in 2015 and um you know i i got into this rhythm of posting every single week but um, i had no idea what i was doing auto settings on my camera i didn't think about light you know i really had no idea what i was doing but it was the early stages of learning the process of i guess filmmaking and and giving somebody an audiovisual experience. So I kind of started to learn how to edit a little bit. Um, and that's sort of the stage too, where you're beginning to develop not your um, taste, if you will, because you always have your taste, right? It's more so you start to develop your look and your style. Yeah. Uh, and you're kind of the way you get to. Your voice. Expressing that taste, that your voice, exactly. Yeah. And... I did that for about a year and a half. I'm kind of giving you the short version of this because there's a lot of little pieces to the story. But I ended up getting burned out, um, not from the work actually, but because of some personal stuff that uh, – a really rough experience, let's say, in, in, in Argentina in Latin America. And um, so I ended up taking a break from posting because I, I, was, I was looking at all my work and I was like, I'm not proud of this. I didn't do – stuff that i feel like will stand the test of time and that i'll look back on and feel like that kind of yeah. feeling of joy and excitement were you I, doing youtube I, full time no i no, no i was i was finishing high school actually like okay. i i um i uh, was doing this dual credit program so i was you know um going to the community college and wrapping that up i was working a little bit to save a little bit of money that's how i was able to go to places like argentina um, but anyway, I came back after a year and a half, and um, I, I, I should say I came back to the U.S. This is a year and a half into posting YouTube videos, and I stopped. I, I took a pause, and I was like, all right, I'm going to really dive a little bit more intentionally headfirst into the filmmaking industry and learn what, like, how to do this, you know, how to make stuff, like the technical side, if you will. And so I started... I went through a long period, a dry period, if you will, of trying to find work, but nobody would call me up, even as a PA, a production assistant, like the lowest position, I suppose, on the, in the hierarchy. Yeah. Um, but eventually, like eight months in, I started to get called up. I started to go on set. I started to make connections, and that kind of slowly led into working in different capacities. And I tried pretty much every department, if you will, on, on set 
audio and yeah. post-production. So I was an editor. Um, and I got bigger and bigger opportunities. I did some directing and whatnot. And did, did and you get those opportunities because of your YouTube channel? Or was this completely No, different? I would say, I mean, kind of. I mean, the YouTube channel, no. But I did simultaneously work really hard on a few videos that I was trying to throw every cinematic trick I possibly could into. Like, yeah. I watched a million tutorials online and was kind of simultaneously learning online, like YouTube, and on set yeah. uh, with like production companies and whatnot. Yeah. And and so I created these YouTube videos that I could then show and say, like, look, I can actually edit some stuff. And that kind of helped me yeah. show that I could do something, you know, and then that kind of led to jobs and then that kind of... So it was like this feedback loop, if you will. Yeah. Um, and... So that that was like kind of the next year and a half of this journey. And during that period, I posted very little. At the end of 2018, I had kind of wrapped up a really big project, six months traveling Latin America and the Spanish-speaking world, so including Spain and the U.S., because uh, there's a lot of Spanish speakers in the U.S. Um, and I had been directing and DPing that. And, uh, and I was just thinking like, okay, I have this kind of newfound confidence, this skill set that I can really apply. I think I could do something special you know, on YouTube. And I never forgot about it. Like I never let it go fully. I think there was a period where I was like, yeah, I don't want to focus on this as much. But the pull of wanting to create something and share it on the internet was just too strong. Like I could not ignore that. Yeah. So end of 2018, I started posting again. And for four or five months, it's going nowhere. I'm actually losing subscribers every single time I post. And then it blew up in April of 2019 and that since then I've been riding the wave but yeah you know coming back a little bit more mature had time to reflect thinking about storytelling in a different way and then also applying the technical side I think I had sort of a unique combination of f factors that helped crack yeah. the code but I really had no idea and I really had a lot of self-doubt still I was like is this even possible like yeah. are people even going to care about what I'm talking about and what I'm trying to do yeah, so you restarted on YouTube in, in 2018 and you brought your videos to a new level. The quality was much better. And then you posted all those videos for four or five months and nothing happened, right? How, how yeah. does that feel? Isn't that frustrating? It was frustrating. I mean, I definitely had a lot of... I was trying not to complain about it, but, you know, if you talk to my parents, they, I mean, they heard about it. They were, they, they, I, would t I would go to them and I'd be like, I just spent 40 hours on this. Yeah, exactly. And 36 people have watched it or whatever, you know, or a couple hundred people. Yeah. Um, and then you see on YouTube and it seems like, you know, you're comparing and you're trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And there's people with established audiences yeah. where you're like, hold on, I'm doing something that's at least of comparable quality, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I took it as a challenge to just get better every single time. So every video had to be better than the last. And I was going to go all out with time lapses and the music and the cutting and the reflections and the color grading and the topic and the thumbnail and the title like all of it it's just gonna it, the whole package needed to be premium so that was the direction i went and that's not like the recipe for success because there's there's actually many recipes for success but it was the way that i had to do it because it's what made me feel proud of what i was doing and and brought me that kind of joy for storytelling and yeah in the end it's it worked out so 
Yeah, I, I understand that frustration that you were just talking about because not long ago we launched we launched our first YouTube channel here for Creator Smarts, starting from mm. zero. And right. I mean, I do have another YouTube channel where we talk about language learning, which is um, we have a, like thirty or forty thousand subscribers there. But you know, just starting all over again from zero just reminds me how hard it is to start from zero. My colleague Oli he uploads these uh, these video on a weekly basis, and the quality is like they're really good, really informative. Yeah, very high quality, but it it really takes. I mean, we have been doing this for a few weeks now. We have like forty, forty or fifty subscribers. Like it's like yeah. shit. This is ever gonna take off? But yeah. I guess in those cases, you just have to believe in the process, right? You have to believe that if you keep putting out quality work over a long period of time, consistently, every single week, uh, one day is just gonna the algorithm is gonna pick it up and, and promote it to new people. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have this kind of long-term view and to really stick at it and to be stubborn in a sense. It's not even just patient, but stubborn. Yeah. Um, so what was and, it? Oh, go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that like, I'm actually experiencing this now as well, like still, because I'm trying to now post on Facebook. So I have a Facebook page, also Nathaniel Drew, you know, uh, I have been posting some videos on TikTok, and it's a little bit easier with the algorithms there. But you know, I would love for my Facebook page to to grow, and yeah. I haven't cracked the code yet. Like, it's I'm, I'm I'm posting my videos on there. I've been doing it for several months, uh, and you would think like I have an established audience, yeah. etc. But it's a different animal. You know, it's a different platform. It's almost like a parallel universe. Yeah. Um, and. You just got to stick with it, I guess, you know, um, and sometimes, you know, in the end, it might not work out, but I'm going to give it everything that I've got. And if six months or a year from now, it's I'm seeing no signs of progress. You know, I don't think there's any shame in saying like, OK, maybe this isn't this isn't where my content belongs. Yeah. You know? But yeah, I guess that's a big question, right? Like your content works very well for YouTube is very. Um, it's, it's very high quality. Like people need to pay attention, right? It's not always very easy to consume content. Like you go quite deep. So I guess then YouTube could work quite well. Um, yeah, on Facebook, I'm not really sure what works on Facebook, but you know, you remember these videos. I know that the guy from uh, from Nas Daily. What is what is his name? Um, oh yeah, I'm familiar with his page. Yeah, I don't. I mean, is it Nas? No, it's not Nas. That's um, that's that's the name of uh, of his channel. It means people in Arabic, apparently. I, I forgot his name. Um, anyway, he he's huge on YouTube, right? He has like millions right. and millions of likes there. But his videos are very short, easy to consume. I think in the beginning they were only one minute. Um, there's like big subtitles, so maybe better for an audience that that pays less attention. That that for people who are just scrolling. But I guess yeah. I guess that's I what we, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's look, I, I don't want to write it off because I think yeah. some, in some ways, Facebook and TikTok are more the wild west, if you yeah. will. Yeah. And that was YouTube not that long ago. Yeah. And, and now YouTube has evolved quite a bit. And, you know, even just in 2018, like I said, I wasn't even sure if my content was going to work out on YouTube, you know, and it did. So yeah. there's, you never know. Like I, I believe in the message that I am putting out into the world, and I and I believe that there may be people and out there on these platforms interested in hearing it. And so I'm gonna at least give it a shot because I don't want to be stuck to one platform. Yeah. Uh, and this is 
this leads into a bigger conversation yeah. that I don't know if you want to go in this direction, but about creating classes and creating, you know, writing a book and doing other things, creating yeah. stuff outside of just social media because yeah. of how ephemeral it is and how um, dangerous it can be to let an algorithm or a set of algorithms control yeah. your life, you know, and your livelihood. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you put all this time and effort and videos you post it and if it doesn't perform, and you feel really shit the next day, right? So you do yeah. not want to depend on YouTube's algorithm. We talk about that all the time. Okay, so let's talk about monetization. And how long did it take for you to get to a level where you could quit your job, just focus on YouTube full time? So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I uh, was working for a long time, saving up a lot of money during that period of you know a year and a half working in the film industry. And I've always been a saver. Like I've always been somebody who spends a lot less than I make, just because you never know, you know. And I, uh, I, I have always been extremely resistant to the idea of getting in debt, you know, especially so early in your career. Like this yeah. is why I ultimately made the decision not to go to college in the United States. Ultimately, I didn't go to college at all, um, <laughs> but. In the United States in particular, I mean, the, the decision was e made easy for me in a sense because it was so exorbitantly expensive yeah. that for somebody in my field, you know, a creative space, it's making less and less sense all the time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was saving and I was at a point where I didn't have a massive savings, you know, but uh, I just I felt like I had to go for it. Uh, at the end of 2018 and I and I ended up moving to Mexico where the cost of living is also lower and I, I love the culture I love the food I love the people there um, and I was I, you know I just kept thinking to myself like you know I'm I am at an age where I've got to take big risks right now because there's the potential for big reward and even if it's you know a failure quote-unquote and this doesn't pan out I'm I'm at an age where it's like I can totally recover from this. Yeah. You know? You're like in your um, early twenties, so, right? Just for our listeners. Yeah, I'm twenty three. Yeah. So I did that when I was twenty one. Yeah. Um and I just felt like I don't have really that much to lose. Like the the it, always you ha you know, it can feel scary to 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 go for it and there's always that potential to lose something, right? But I just you know, if you take a step back, it's like I had a few thousand dollars in savings, you know, for, for somebody in their 40s, that's, you know, or, you know, you would think if they're further along in their career, it's, that's not as big of a deal, you know what I mean? And so it's like, just trying to have perspective on where I was at. Um, obviously, it was big, it was really scary, and I didn't know it was going to work out, but I, I just knew I had to go for it. Yeah. Um, and so... In a sense, I made it my full-time thing well before it was making me any money because I was making like $25 a month <laughs> from the AdSense. Yeah. I'm, that's not an exaggeration. And finally in March, when things were starting to pick up, I made like $400. And then in April, it, it took off. Um, and I wasn't ready. It was just ad revenue. But um, – but you know, considering I was able to sort of ride that wave and keep things going, it's given me time to 
create things like classes and I have a little digital store on my yeah. website and let's see what else um, you know just build things up a little bit yeah so tell us a little bit about your courses then I saw on your website that you have three courses is that correct what are they yeah. about and what inspired you you to uh, to create those courses yeah so um, right so I do have three courses out right now I'm going to be releasing several more this year um, I have a couple on Skillshare and we can talk about that um, one is on document how to document your life yeah uh, and it's about kind of living intentionally and um, creating sort of this trail of your experiences that you can look back on mm-hmm. uh, one is on creativity um, and the things that I wish I knew earlier on in like navigating this whole process over the last six years mm-hmm and um, the, the the crown jewel right now, the one that has been the most work and that I'm really honestly the most proud of is on uh, language learning. We we're yeah. calling it the ultimate language learning guide. And I did this one with my friend Johnny Harris. And it was um, just uh, a, honestly a long time coming. Basically, I'm just very passionate about language, language learning and languages in general. And... Um, I essentially spent four months working with him, sharing everything I knew, you know, on this topic. And we kind of condensed it into like this four hour class that includes tools and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm so kind of bullish about online classes is because it's it's this really cool way to share information in a, a, first of all, more deeply because you don't have the kind of time limit of 10 or 15 minutes or 60 seconds if you're on kind of a platform like TikTok to keep people's attention. Um, So there's way more depth uh, and you can kind of break things down more granularly. Um, But also, you know, it's it's an amazing way to um, make money in that's not dependent on sponsorships and ads, you know? Yeah. Um, And that's... um, that's exciting because it, it adds kind of this level of stability in this very volatile, unstable, unstable world, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so I'm, I'm excited about it. And I think the cool thing too, is that like, you know, if you do it, if you create a class that's, that's, that's quality and you really kind of pour your soul into it, it could be something that, um, that you can be sort of proudly showing the world for years to come, you know? Yeah. And that's another thing that I really like. I, I think I'm very cognizant now of how ephemeral the social media world is. And, you know, I try to make every video that I make a a, a, a piece of artwork, you know? I want it to, to really that people four years or eight years from now can look back and be like, wow, that's great. Like, that was amazing. Um, but... Sometimes I think I worry that the environment, you know, if a, if a video is on YouTube, for example, or, or another social media platform, that automatically people consume it in a different way because it's so fast moving. It's so like I'm just going to chop through these videos that some of that value is lost in a sense. Yeah. Um, and so it's weird how we work psychologically as human beings, but I do think that the format and the environment matters a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially uh, when you sell a course, people pay, so they are more committed, right? Also, like oh, when yeah, they watch absolutely. a video on YouTube, they have all the distractions 
like in the sidebar but when they've paid for a course you are committed um you, you have the course there's no distractions it's like a clean course organized chapter by chapter yeah um, and it's really cool if i if i may just add a little bit more on this topic of classes the language the ultimate language learning guide is on johnny uh harris's uh course platform bright trip it's called bright trip and it's really exciting to be like participating in building something because that that platform is entirely focused on online classes but specifically travel related hmm. um and so what they're creating right now is this sort of space where they're making the bet that in the future people instead of buying a pamphlet or a guidebook or whatever they'll buy a class so you can have this kind of audiovisual guide to wherever you're going you know if you want to know about paris or if you want to know about how to order ramen or if you want to know how to capture the story of your trip um and so language learning fits really nicely in that and it's so cool to be kind of working with other content creators yeah. and building something bigger you know into the future that's um, interesting so, so yeah Brian, I'm, I'm really excited about it so it's called Briar Trip, and it's a bit like it's basically a, a platform where you can host your courses, like Teachable, for example, or yeah, Skillshare, yeah, exactly. for that matter. Yeah, and they're and they're actually uh, expanding right now tremendously, um, uh, working with more and more content creators, and um, I think it's it's they're they're building the library right now, if okay. you will, and, and the quality is quite high. There's a, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Johnny Harris's work, but um, he's he's a pro. He's a total pro. He was, it was amazing working with him. Uh, we became good friends throughout that process, and um, so it's cool. It's just it's it's always it's always so fulfilling for me to work with other content creators that I respect, you know. Yeah. And that's that's actually another benefit of doing these projects now um, is that I don't have to be alone in my apartment all the time. If that makes sense. Okay. Can you give us a few examples of other creators that you have worked with and that? still continue to inspire you yeah totally um i have um so i just spent a little bit of time with uh, my friend sadia uh, from pickup lines i don't know if you're familiar with that channel it's vegan like plant-based recipes and it's also lifestyle and whatnot and she's based in the netherlands so we did a few you know little projects that are coming up soon together um I have a pretty like international uh, friend group. Uh, I mean, it's not really a group actually. It's just individual people that I know in different countries, and it's all thanks to uh, my interest in languages and the stuff that I post on YouTube. So um, I'm friends with a really skilled uh, content creator, uh, Portuguese guy, uh, Bernardo Bacalau. Um, who I've done, uh, who I did a road trip with last year. He's a fantastic guy. He's doing the van life now. Um, another friend of mine who's doing van life and has been doing it for a long time, and he's also just incredible, um, is Greg's Way. Uh, he's Belgian, and so all of his material is in French, uh, and he's a good friend. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I have an, a, 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 there's an Italian content creator friend of mine that uh, has like a very interesting take on self improvement and finances and whatnot, and his name is Marcello Ascani, so he's he's like from Rome, and uh, so when I was living in Italy, we spent some time together and did a collaboration. Um, 
you know, yeah, there's there's tons of, I mean, there's loggers in Paris now that I'm meeting, um, living there. And I think it's just so exciting because everybody has a different kind of approach to content creation yeah. and storytelling. And uh, it's it's so exciting to see things outside of the American bubble as well. And there's a lot of incredible American content creators, you know, or English speaking, I should say. Too. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool to be kind of hopping around Europe and meeting these cool people and seeing their different kind of methods. Um, so yeah, great question. Yeah. YouTube is a great way to network. Um, oh, for sure. You've hosted one of your courses on Bright Trip, two of the three on Skillshare. Tell us a little bit about Skillshare. We haven't talked about much about Skillshare here on the podcast. Why yeah. did you decide to go for Skillshare? Skillshare is cool because, um, you know, I have a long-term relationship with them, so they sponsor a lot of um, a lot of my videos. And uh, I mean, I, I I used Skillshare years ago okay. to uh, learn um, video editing, and it was kind of early days as I was trying to absorb as much information as I possibly could. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so, I actually think they were the first sponsor I ever had. And so I have a, just this long-term relationship with them that has kind of grown over time. And then we developed a, a Skillshare original, which was the first class that I created together with them. And that was last year. And that was a really cool experience and it kind of opened my eyes to course creation. Um, and they have an interesting ecosystem too, where it's like, you know, you can post something on there mm. and there's a level of, it, you know, discoverability on there as okay. well, where you know, it's, you have a, you have a bigger audience. It's a, it's a very different model, right? Yeah. Because it, you're not, you're not charging anything for your class. It's, it's more down to watch time. Um, but there's an ecosystem of people, uh, on there so that like, you know, you might be discovered on yeah, Skillshare, yeah. whereas it might be a little bit more difficult if you're hosting it on your website, you know, yeah. that definitely has to come from your own audience. Yeah, so like on Teachable, for example, you need to set your own traffic, whereas at Skillshare, right, exactly. they already have an audience. And if you have a good cause, they might suggest your cause to, well, people who are searching for the content that you, uh, for the courses that you've published. And then you yeah. get paid per minute watched, or how does that work exactly? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much I can share on this. I don't think it's that secret. I think there's articles and whatnot and video online about yeah. this. But yeah, it's, it, they, they pay per, per minute watched. Um, so it's it's kind of its own model because like YouTube isn't even quite like that. YouTube is I mean watch time matters a lot, but it's also depends on how many ads and it depends on the subject matter and whatnot. So um yeah, it's kind of it's kind of uh it's kind of its own thing, if you will. But yeah. um it's a it's a, they make it easy and they it's a it's a, I think it's a good starting place for sure. Yeah. So would you recommend creators, uh, let's say, who already have an audience uh, to use Skillshare or rather use a platform like Bytrip or, or Gumroad or Teachable or Thinkific? Or I think the, the, that's, a, that's a difficult question because um, it sort of depends on what you want to get out of the out of the platform exactly and they all offer their own kind of benefits mm. um like i said bright trips extremely exciting because i'm building something with these other content creators and um you know uh it's it's like a very focused topic and 
it's it's kind of its own little ecosystem, if you will, and on a subject that I'm very passionate about, which is like you know travel and cultural exchange. Um, and there is the benefit of if there's a if you're selling it for a set amount of money, you know it's like a it's a purchase yeah. versus a kind of like a freemium model. Um, Skillshare is cool because again, there's that kind of potentially greater reach. Yeah. Um, and I have a great relationship with them. Yeah. Um, so there's a cool dynamic uh, there, and uh, it's difficult to it's difficult to to answer that question. I mean, as you can see, I'm I'm creating classes on both platforms, um, and who knows where exactly things will go from here. But I, I encourage people to really consider all the potential benefits. Yeah. Uh, there's that kind of cool. Uh, element of Skillshare where you know I can say, look, you, you can get a free trial and test it out for yourself first, and then you can kind of decide if you'd like to continue. Yeah. Um, and it's it's um, it's not quite as easy when you're selling selling a class for a specific amount of money. Even though um, with Bright Trip they have a really cool team that has a flexible um, like um, return policy and whatnot and. It helps with problem solving and troubleshooting and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. anyway, I think that's my answer. I, I hope that kind of. <laughs> I know for sure it's it's good to know like the pros and cons of of each platform. Um, at the beginning of this interview, you said that you call yourself now an an author as well. Um, yeah. What's coming next? Are you gonna write a book or what can we expect from? Oh yeah, no, for sure. So I have a photo book actually coming out uh, soon. I want to say this summer. Um, honestly, I should keep my mouth shut because I mentioned it a year ago and it was way too early and there were a lot of setbacks, but it's really coming along and I'm very excited about it. Um, so, and that's why I'm saying like the, 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 the potential to sort of, um, uh, make a living with my photography is changing because tradition, like in the past I haven't really. Um, but this is this is something I'm so proud of. I, you know, it's all of my favorite photography that I've taken over the last six, seven years, with a lot of reflections and whatnot. And so I'm excited about that. And then I'm also writing like a full, full, full length, uh, nonfiction um, book, uh, and that's probably a little bit of a longer timeline. But uh, it's I'm definitely making progress. It's a huge challenge. Like it's a huge endeavor, really. To 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 set out to write a book but yeah. um that's that's definitely that has felt like the main mission of this year actually because i think it's it can open a lot of doors mm -hmm. um, and i feel like the time's right you know i want to write this book from my 23 year old perspective because i won't have it in the future so yeah well we're gonna check it out on your channel before we wrap up what is the most challenging thing about running a youtube channel or a creator business, if you will, in your opinion? Yeah, that's a, an, an amazing question. I think that's, um, th this is a volatile, highly emotional world that is chock full of incentives that can kind of distract you from what you should really be focusing on, you know? Well, if I fully lose sight of why I started doing this, that joy for creating things and sharing uh, stuff on the internet and connecting with people around the world and talking about subjects that I am excited about. If I fully lose sight of that, uh, it's bad news. You know, there's, that's when things like burnout and, uh, 
and anxiety and that kind of unhappiness can really creep in. Um, and so I think the most challenging thing about all of this is focusing on the invisible infrastructure, if you will, the tools and systems that you have to have in place that keep you on track. The stuff that in theory, you know, or I should say on paper, doesn't make you any money, right? It's not, they're not the sponsorships, they're not the new products that you're releasing, but it's the stuff that keeps you on track and that keeps you, that, that, that allows you to do this long term and really make a career out of it. Yeah. Um, Can you give I a think, few examples of what those things are? Yeah, absolutely. So surrounding yourself with the right people, you know what I mean? The, the kinds of people that will tell you like, look, you, 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 it looks like you're putting, you're filling your plate too full. You know, this yeah. doesn't look like it's sustainable what you're doing right now. Yeah. Or so the right people, um, you know, the right conversations to be had, um, the right rhythm. Uh, for a long time, I would not take weekends. I would not take time off because I was just like, I was in that kind of grind and hustle mentality where I have to make this take off. You know, I have to make this work. And that is okay for a limited amount of time, but that must have a an end date, you know, because you can't live your entire life like that. Uh, and so... So simple things like that, right? And and more and more people are talking about it, which is great. But it really is extremely important, you know, taking time off here and there. Um, and and then it gets a little bit more individualized, right? Like you have to figure out how you function as as a person. I think for me, it's really important to incorporate a lot of travel. I need to I need to be exploring new places that excite me. Um, but I have to pace it as well. I can be too much, right? So it's again, it's it's finding the right rhythm, um, and then I think also systems can also include what is your information diet, right? Like, you know, I I when I when I'm not posting something on Instagram, I not only first of all I don't follow anybody on Instagram. I saw that. That I, I found that really. I've never seen that before. And I, lot, you have like so many comments about it. Yeah, hundreds and of thousands of followers there, and zero people that you follow. Yeah. I just don't. It's not my way of staying in touch with my network of friends yeah. and contacts. So I have another private account that I pop into every once in a while, but not following anybody and deleting the app when I'm not posting anything. You may notice I don't post very many stories. I just don't need to. I, I will when I have a purpose. And, and I do on a once a week or every few weeks or whatever. But um, that was insanely helpful for my mental health. And I think also like not looking at YouTube studio, not looking at the performance of stuff, not constantly checking growth and numbers and whatnot. I found that these invisible things were sapping so much of my energy and my ability to to do the work that really matters. And so I, I highly encourage people to focus on that. Um, I think that's really powerful what you just shared here because we talked about mental health and about, you know, YouTube. It's very easy for us to, to compare ourselves to others who are more successful. Yeah. So how can we wrap up this advice? Um, what are some of the things, again, that, that keep you on track? So I would say... The things that keep me on track are the systems and tools yeah. that I have in place yeah. to, to keep me focused on what, what sort of brings meaning to my life. Yeah. So the right people, yeah. the right conversations, yeah. the right rhythm for working and yeah. not not burning the candle at both ends. And my information diet, like being clear on 
what I should and should not consume because it, I just could feel every time I would open Instagram or YouTube studio or what have you, this level of stress that just, just saps your energy, you know? So it's these, it's these things that make a huge difference. I find great. Well, thank you, Nathan. Thank you so much for sharing your story the wisdom, all the lessons that you've learned so far on your journey, we're going to be following you. If you want to learn more about you and your work and your courses, where can we go? So, uh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, my channel on YouTube is called Nathaniel Drew. It's my name. Um, and I'm revamping my website right now, but there's going to be a lot of cool stuff on there very soon. It's www.nathanieldrew.com. So simple. Um, and I think those are the two main places. I have a newsletter, but you can sign up to that on my website. And uh, you can find me on other platforms like Instagram uh, by just searching up Nathaniel Drew underscore. So there you go. We're going to check it out. Thanks. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you like this episode, then please give it a positive rating in whatever podcast app that you're using. And if you want to listen to other interviews or just learn more about what we do, then make sure to go to our website, creatorsmart.com. See you on the next episode. Ciao.